Well, hello, and I want to welcome you to the Victory Church Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Horton. I'm here to bring you a short message that's designed to help you become all that God created you to be and to live your life to the fullest. Thank you so much for listening. Let's get into today's message. Well, it is both an exciting and challenging day to be alive. Glad to be back with you on our Victory Church weekly podcast. Hope you're doing well today. And, uh, you know, we have another day ahead of us, another week ahead of us. And, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm going to choose to make the best of every single day. And we do that, right, by seeking God first. If we put him first, he said he would direct our path and and give us wisdom. So that's what my expectations are. Hope yours are too. Hey, we've been talking about healing for the past weeks and weeks and weeks now, and um, it's just a really important topic. There'll never be a time in our lives that we don't need supernatural health. Uh, We don't need faith for healing, either for ourselves or for someone else. And we need God's supernatural power, is what I meant to say, to minister life to us every single day. You know, let me say it again. I had my time with the Lord this morning. I read the Word, read some books, and uh, then I prayed. And while I'm praying, I always mention to the Lord, and I encourage you to do the same. Romans 8, 11, if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead will also quicken or give life to your mortal or death-doomed bodies. By His Spirit, it says, who dwells in you. So I every day say, Lord, thank you that the Holy Spirit lives in me. And I claim Deuteronomy 33, 25, as my years, so shall my strength be. As long as I live in my body, every organ, every system of my body will function the way it was designed. Every cell of my body is being influenced by the Lord and by my relationship with him. So I just remind him of those things on a regular basis, and I encourage you to do the same. So again, in this series, we've been talking about it being the will of God, how we can know the will of God, that it's the will of God for us to be well. We've covered so much uh, so much territory here in the last uh, set number of podcasts. I've been looking at healing hindrances. Since we know it's the will of God and that Jesus purchased our healing when he died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead. Uh, and we talked about how to receive by faith. Go back if you haven't heard that. Please go back and listen to these podcasts over and over again. The reason I do this is so that our faith can be built up and stay built up in God for divine healing. So, uh, again, right now we're concentrating on healing hindrances, uh, finishing that up probably today. There are four major categories of healing hindrances. Negative emotions, we talked about that uh, a couple of podcasts. Misuse of the body, we talked about the misuse of the body with diet, with lack of rest, with overwork, and then lack of exercise. And then last time we talked about unforgiveness as being as being one of the uh, categories of healing hindrances and how important it is to walk in forgiveness. And let me say it again regularly. When I pray for people, it comes up. It's like a blockage. And I can sense that a person needs to let something go. Somebody said or done something that's harmful and they and they have still uh, held on to it on the inside. And see, it healing, it creates a barrier between us and the Lord when we have unforgiveness. So make sure you let that go today. Get right into it. I want to talk about disobedience as being 
the last of the category of healing hindrance as disobedience can definitely hinder us from receiving the best gift that God has in a number of areas of our life, including the area of divine healing. James 4.17, New Living Translation says this, Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Wow. So he that knows to do good, King James says, and does not do it to him, it is sin. So if I know to do or know not to do, but I do see that's wrong, and I've got to deal with that before before God. And uh, see, I'm reminded as I say that, uh, Kenneth Hagin was one of my mentors in life, my spiritual life, and then I attended his Bible school way back in 1980, 81, and then graduated. And but I've just and I've read I think every one of his books uh, probably several times. But he has an illustration that really uh, that really uh, spoke to me as a young man in my twenties. And I still think about it every once in a while today. Um, there was a lady; he was at a church and. And uh, the pastor said, I, I've got a member in the hospital. I want you to go and, if you don't mind, go to the hospital with me and pray for her. So he did. He went to the hospital and uh, went up to the lady's room. And here's a lady in her late 50s. And, uh, and so Brother Hagen, like uh, the pastor asked, he started to lay hands on the lady to pray for her to be healed. And as he began to lay hands on her, he felt, just felt a real restraint for me even laying his hand on her. It felt awkward on the inside. And, and so he tried it again and, and felt, almost felt as though something was pulling his way, hand away as he went to lay his hands, I guess, on her head for her to be healed as she was there uh, in the bed. And uh, he tried the third time and finally he said, ma'am, I'm, I'm trying to pray for you, but I'm using my own words here, not his, but I'm having a hard time praying for you. And here's what the lady told him. She said, uh, Brother Hagen, you'll not be able to pray for me because I've been living in disobedience to God. And that's the reason I'm in the shape I'm in. And she said this, when she was 13 years old, a missionary came to her church and he talked about what he was doing. And while she was there and while the missionary was speaking, she said God called her to be a missionary and she was to give her life in service to the Lord in other lands. And she said, uh, of course, they left and uh, you know she thought about it. But as she thought about it, she said, I so wanted to be a wife and then be a mother and have a family. It's just always been a great desire of my heart. So she compromised within herself as she got older and graduated school and all. She eventually got married, had children, but she did not follow the call that God gave her at 13 years of age to be a missionary because she said, well, you know, she, she uh, just kind of compromised and said, well, you know, I can... Uh, you know, we can work and earn money, and then we can give offerings to those who are called on the mission field. And in that way, I'll, I will be supporting mission work. And here's what she told him. When I made that decision, my health broke, and I've never had a healthy life at all. So here she was in the hospital, Brother Hagen trying to pray for her. And, uh, and she said, you'll not be able to pray for me because I'm in disobedience to God. Now, you know, it's very sobering when you hear something like that. And um, that was very sobering to me, and it shows you the importance of, of walking in obedience to what God has called you to do in life as, as a whole. We can't do our thing and ask God to bless it and expect his best. We have to find God's purpose for our life and then start walking into that purpose he has for us. That's where the blessing of God is. 
And that's where we can experience God's best. Isaiah 1, 19 and 20 says this, If you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now, God spoke this to the Israelites, and they were in constant disobedience for generations, and then it basically eventually cost them their relationship with the Lord and their nation. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. See, that speaks to us today. We have to be willing and we have to be obedient. You can be obedient, but you got a grudge inside. No, no, do what God wants you to do willingly. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. That means you'll have God's best. But if you refuse and rebel, that is, if I do what I want, regardless of what God wants me to do, says you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So we open up a door to the enemy when we walk in disobedience. You know, I started a church in South Carolina in 1988, and uh, we got the church off, off and going and started it in my house, and then we rented a facility. And, but there was a man, uh, actually he worked with my father where my father worked, and so my father knew the man. But the man and his wife began to attend our church because it was in his city, and uh, uh, it was a neighboring city to the, to the town that I was raised in and where my father lived. My father knew the man. Anyway, this man was in my church, and, um, and I, I'll, nev- I'll never forget um, that. You know, he was so kind. Uh, my children were young. He was always helping us with groceries because we were young, and, and then it was a fledgling little church, and it was just a challenge financially to get the thing going. But nonetheless, he and his wife helped us, and he was always very kind to my children, and uh, always just being just very nice. Just And he also was the fix-it man around our facility. He fixed this and he fixed that. He was just all in all good guy. He was a retired man. And uh, uh, anyway, one uh, one day in uh, May of 1989, I had not even been there a year yet, I was uh, ministering on a Sunday night. We had Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night services. And I spoke three different topics. And boy, I was really busy studying for all that. Nonetheless, I looked at him one, one Sunday night, and I, he just was heightened to me. That means every time I looked at him, I felt like there was something up with him, and it was a little bit startling to me. And uh, anyway, so that was Sunday night. By, by Tuesday night, you know, I was in my office really late on a Tuesday. I, I shouldn't have been there that late. It was probably 10 o'clock at night. My office was very close to the church where we the building we leased was very close to my home, a couple of minutes away. So I'd gone back to my office, and I was sitting there, and I got a phone call uh, actually on my office phone from this man's wife that I've mentioned, and she said, you need to come to the hospital. And she called his name said, he's, uh, uh, he, he's comatose. He, uh, he, um, he went unconscious as we were, we were eating. He said his head began to hurt, and uh, she said, uh, we have rushed him to the hospital 30 miles away in my hometown. And, uh, and so, I mean, I made a beeline to the hospital. I got there, you know, probably a little after 11. And, uh, and so we went into the room where the man was. And, again, he was comatose, and there are all kinds of, I mean, the nurses and doctors have done all they can to help him, but uh, he's unconscious. And, uh, and they had tubes going in and out of all parts of him. And, I mean, but, but you know, when I looked at him first time, now I've been around death, and I know what it looks like. And his eyes were sunken back in his head. And he had that he had that labored breathing, that automatic breathing that comes just before death. And uh, so I went up to him and 
I remember being there, and his wife's with me, right, right beside me on the other side of the bed. And I went to lay my hands on him. And, you know, strangely, I had a similar experience to what Kenneth Hagin had. And I, I had, then I suddenly remembered what, Brother, how you heard that illustration that Brother Hagin had. Uh, I had thought about it, and then I, thought, I was thinking about it right then. I went to lay hands on her, and it's like I couldn't form the words. I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, and I want to say heal, but... I just could not get that word out of my mouth clearly. And I backed up again, laid hands on and began, and almost like Brother Hagin did. And I said, Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you. To, when I went to say the word heal, it's just like I shouldn't say that word. And I, again, so I backed up and I looked at his wife. I said, ma'am, I'm having a hard time praying for, and I named the man's name. Is, is there a reason I'm having a hard time? And she said, can we talk? So we went left that emergency room place there. We went to a place uh, the hospital had where um, uh, it was just a little uh, um, place of prayer. It was a little tiny place where people could go and pray in the hospital. And it was a really nice little place. She walked in there with me, and she said, Pastor, two weeks ago, she said, and he called, his, called her husband's name, said he went to the doctor. And the doctor actually pointed his finger in, and she called her husband's name in his face, and said, if you love your wife, love your family, and want to have a relationship with them in the future, you need to quit smoking. Otherwise, you're going to die, and you're going to die soon. And you know what? This man never listened to the doctor, and he, he smoked. And, you know, I know a lot of people smoke, and they know they shouldn't, and know it's not good for them. It's a habit they have formed, and they just, for whatever reason, haven't kicked it. Well, see, he, had, he knew he knew that what he was doing was harming him, but he chose not to do anything about it. And so you know what happened? Well, I stayed there for a while, and we went to, to the room. They finally put him in another room in the hospital, and he still had that labored breathing, and his eyes were set. He had not come to, and he had had a cerebral hemorrhage as a result of the smoking, and that's what the doctors had said, that his blood vessels had become brittle in one burst in the back of his neck. So I sat there, it was about three o'clock in the morning and uh, he had five children, his wife and I'm there. And, and I watched as the, as the heart monitor slowly faded and stopped. And I watched as his breathing stopped and this man went into eternity. See, again, you, you, it's hard to receive God's best if you're not willing to walk in God's will. And for him, it was a physical thing. For the lady, the anecdote, the uh, illustration from Kenneth Hagin, you know, that was a spiritual thing. God called her, but she didn't listen. Here, this guy, he had a, a physical habit that was costing him his life and harming his health. And I'm sure the Holy Spirit was dealing with him over and over and over, but he just didn't listen, see? If you be willing and obedient, eat the good of the land. So it, for all of us, it's important that we, that we obey God and do what he says because if, if not, then we're not on the grounds to receive God's best, which is complete and total physical healing. First Corinthians chapter 5, listen to this. Here was a guy in, Cor in the church at Corinth, and he was uh, having sex with his, his, uh, his father's wife and his stepmother. And here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5 verse 3, For I indeed as absent in body but present in spirit have already judged as though I were present uh, him who has done this deed in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ when you're gathered together along with my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ he said deliver such an one to Satan for the uh, destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus now Paul turned this guy over to the devil it be basically said 
Uh, Lord, may he have no protection over his life because he's choosing a lifestyle of sin. He's going to church, bringing this guy. It's related to church. Congregation sees, sees it. Other people sees it, see it, and they know that he should not be doing this. So he just basically turned him over to the devil, just saying, Lord, take all the stops out. And uh, you know what? Uh, the guy got sick. And um, for Second Corinthians, he told the Corinthian church to let the man back in the church because they had just fellas tipped him, put him out of the church because he wouldn't repent of his sin. When he got sick, he obviously repented, and God forgave him, and he asked God to forgive him. And then the apostle Paul in Second Corinthians 1 told him to let him come back into the church, invite him back in. So see, sin in all its varied forms opens the door to the adversary to steal, kill, and destroy. Let me tell you what I'm not saying. I'm not saying if you have a problem and you fall into a trap and you yield to your flesh and you sin and then you repent. Say, God, help me not to do that again. But you have a certain area of weakness in your life. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's a fleshly thing. Whatever, you know, if you keep a short fuse on that thing, say, God, help me but you fall into that trap every now. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a consistent lifestyle here of disobedience. It opens the door to the enemy. This young man in 1 Corinthians 5, that was a specific ongoing lifestyle of disobedient living. He knew what to do, but chose not to do it. And and again, this lady that I mentioned that Kenneth Hagin went to pray for, she had a whole lifestyle of disobedience. She know what, knew what to do, but she cho chose to do her own thing. And my, my, the, the man that I so loved and appreciated that was in my church when I was, uh, when I was young that I started in South Carolina, I deeply cared for that man. But you know what? He chose not to uh, deal with the physical habit that was, that was doing damage to his health. And so, he, see, he, he wasn't available for the best that God has. Listen, self-will, doing what you and I want to do with our life in the light of knowing that God wants us to do something else is sin. And, you know, then and listen to this. Some people have this idea, well, uh, if I don't get too close to God and I'm saved but, but not close, then, see, God won't speak to me about things that I, I, he wants me to do for him. And if I don't ever know, I won't be responsible. My friend, that is not true. That is dangerous thinking. Did you know we're going to stand before Jesus and we're going to give account of what our lives should have been, of what God called us to do. So if you're trying to play, and I listen, I say that because I've talked to people. There's some people have this crazy notion that, well, if I'm, I'm born again, I know the Lord, but I'm not going to get too deep in this thing because if I get too deep and pray too much, God actually may speak to me and want me to do something that I really don't want to do. So I'm just going to play it safe. Friend, if you play it safe, it could cost you, it could shorten your life because we only obtain God's best when we're willing to pursue him and give him our all. I know that's challenging and that's strong, but listen, I've seen this play out now so many times in life. Don't do that, my friend. That's dangerous thinking. We're going to stand before Jesus and give account for what we should have been and should have done. Let me remind you again of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, for we must all appear and be revealed as we are before uh, the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive his pay according to what he's done in the body, whether good or evil, considering what his purpose and motive have been and what he has achieved, been busy with, and given himself and his attention to accomplishing. So again, we're going to stand before God and give an account 
for what we did with our lives after we were saved while living on planet earth. Romans 14, 10 through 12, New Living Translation. Paul again says, why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So again, not being in the best that God has for me and you can hinder him blessing us, helping us, and us walking in divine health. That is really important. Disobedience can be a reason that we don't receive the healing that God has for us. It can be a healing hindrance. So again, what do we do? What's the antidote for that? Uh, judge yourself. In fact, listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep or die early. For if we would ju- watch, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the, word, with the world. So how do we judge ourselves? How do you do that? You confess your sin and ask the Lord to help you in that weak area of your life. And these, these are verses, I want to read just a few verses to you that will really minister life. You say, well, I'm struggling, Pastor. I want to make sure I'm in the will of God. I don't want to be in disobedience, and I don't want to be in sin. Well, keep close accounts with the Lord. You know, there's sins of omission, there's sins of commission. There are things we haven't done that we should do, and that's, those are sins of omission. That lady that was laying in the hospital at bed that Brother Hagin prayed for, that was a sin of omission. She should have done something, but she chose to ignore it and live life the way she wanted to. That's a sin. And so we all have sins of omission, things we should have done that we haven't done. And on a much smaller scale, um, and we need to deal with those. We all also have sins of commission. That is things we did we shouldn't have done. But thank God for the word of God. First John 1 John 1.8 says, If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and are not living in the truth. This is New Living Translation. But verse 9, If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. You do one thing, God does four things. He'll be faithful to you. He'll be just to you. He will forgive your sin and cleanse you uh, from all wickedness. So again, uh, it goes on to say in verse 10, if we claim we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar, showing that his word has no place in our hearts. And then chapter 2, verse 1 of 1 John, my little children, um, the aged apostle John says, I'm writing this to you so you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate, that's an attorney, who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So again, we confess our sins. Thank God he forgives us and he cleanses us. Hebrews 10, 17, it says their sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more. So again, when we confess our sins, God forgives us and God forgets us. Don't forget Psalm 103. 
Verses 8 through 13, the Lord is merciful. He's gracious. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in mercy. He'll not always strive, nor will he keep his anger forever. Verse 10 is so good. He's not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far I love this, verse 12, as far as the east is from the west. That's an incalculable distance, my friend. You go in east, you're going east infinitum. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As far as a father pities or has compassion on his children, so the Lord pities or has compassion on those who fear him. See, God loves us and he separates our sins from us when we confess them. Isaiah 43, 25, I even I am he who blots out your transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember your sins. I love that. And then uh, Micah 7, 19. He again will have compassion on us, subdue our iniquities. You will cast our sins uh, into the depths of the sea. And, you know, the ocean is at some point seven, seven miles deep. So, you know, don't go. Corey Tim Boone said, don't go fishing <laughs> in that sea of forgiveness. So uh, let it lie. Let it rest. And let God forgive you. So, again, uh, let me, let me uh, summarize a different way. Some people die early. Not because it's God's best, because, but because they have not heeded the warnings from the Holy Spirit to make changes in life direction or in lifestyle and think habits that they have that may hinder their best and God's uh, and, and, and the health that the Lord has for them. Uh, I also remember another story Brother Hagan used to tell of a man uh, that he knew. I think it was a man that was in his family. And uh, Brother Hagan was praying for the man. He had been ill, praying for him not to die. And the Lord spoke to him, Brother Hagan, while he was praying for the man and, uh, and told him, you need to stop praying for him and let him come on home, that is, to heaven. He was a believer, but, you know, he had hardly lived right all of his life. He was falling into this trap of the flesh and that trap of the flesh and, and constantly missing the mark, never really having a strong relationship with the Lord. But this particular time... He was right with God. He had made his amends with the Lord. His finances were in order, and uh, uh, his family life was in order, and he was with the Lord now. And, uh, and again, the Lord said he won't have a better time to come home and be with me. And he, the Lord actually spoke to Kenneth Hagin and said, because of the way this man's lived, let him come on. See, it wasn't the best that God has. The man could have lived a long, uh, long healthy life, but see, because of his own issues and because of his own choices, he, he, um, he abdicated his right to the best that God has. And I remember Brother Hagen saying the man went on to be with the Lord. And he, was, he, was in, he, he, he didn't live out a full life, but because of the choices he made, there was never a better time for him to, him to go home because he had, allowed, he had allowed the weaknesses in his life to hinder his relationship with the Lord. So again, these are really strong things to talk and share about, but I hope this moves, it moves me when I talk about it. It moves all of us to make sure we're walking in the known will of God, to make sure we're seeking first the kingdom of God. And then when the Holy Spirit speaks to us and we're, we have habits in our lives that hinder physical health, we need to listen to what he's saying and obey him. And if you be willing and obedient, you eat the good. That means you obtain 
God's best. Lord, I pray for me and all of us that we would walk in the best that you have for us. Lord, help us to obey what you're saying with our life purpose, our life choice, and then, then with all, and then with all the incidental habits of life. Lord, I ask you to help us to help us to let things go that would hinder your best and hinder the health that you have for us. Lord, thank you for helping us overcome areas of disobedience so can we can receive the best that you have for us in Jesus' name. Well, God bless you, my friend. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Victory Church Weekly Podcast. I hope you're able to get something out of the message today. Before you leave, please make sure uh, that you subscribe or leave a review on whatever platform that you're listening from. Doing this goes a long way in helping us reach a wider audience. Lastly, if you want to reach out with questions, concerns, prayer requests, or comments about today's content, you can email me at pastor at victorychurchraleigh.com. I would love to hear from you. Now go out there and be all that God created you to be today. God bless you.